half were still coming to give us notes. I don't, I think this is possibly a first. He says he doesn't need my help. You're good, Griff? Okay. Yeah. So, my man. Griff says. Yeah, Griff! But in the end, uh, while I was doing that, I really got 
deeply involved, got my armchair degree in Austrian economics, uh, read lots of books from Walter Block and, of course, Human Action by Ludwig von Mises. And eventually, I just couldn't handle it anymore. Uh, I gave up the corporate world. But before I did that, I was, I was already out of the banks. I hate the banks and never wanted to be part of their system. I put all my money into physical gold and silver, would go to the mints and every paycheck just cash in. And I got really lucky, as I've been very lucky with investments in my life. Gold and silver were just going to the moon. This is before Doge, of course. Uh, <laughs> the first Doge was silver for me. Uh, but then, uh, so I, I was able to just give up the corporate world, because I don't really spend much money. I don't really like participating in this economy very much. So uh, I gave up the corporate world and just kind of leaned on my gold and silver and started lots of fun Craigslist companies, you know, uh, buying and selling things, or uh, I started like a moving company, massage therapist, I was doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And uh, eventually went full on nomadic, went to Burning Man in 2011 for the first time. Yeah. 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 I actually run uh, Camp Decentral. Decentral. Yeah, Decentral. Woo! Uh, we have an 80 person camp. Well, I'll get into that later. Uh, but uh, I Your have, baby. Uh, after Burning Man really like explode, like just blew my mind to see decentralization in full force in real in real life and uh, really rethink the story of money that we are all living within like fish and water uh, i i then became acquainted with bitcoin which just blew my mind even further uh, i was able to get into bitcoin in 2013 right after the uh, cypress pump to like 250 and then it crashed that's where I got in, which was very lucky. I actually traded $3,000 worth of uh, gold and silver for $3,000 worth of Bitcoin. And uh, pretty much I've been living off that one trade ever since. My <laughs> man. Because uh, at the end of 2013, uh, the price went to like $1,000. And I think I made $17,000 off $500 of Litecoin, right? And it's just like, what is this stuff? And the rabbit hole never ended. I couldn't believe how how incredible this technology is. Not because, I mean, obviously it's amazing that we can create our own currencies, but really the ability to reach decentralized consensus is the piece that I want to harp on during this talk. So uh, once I really started researching that, I figured I would need to learn more. I couldn't believe I went back to school. I got a master's degree in digital currencies. And uh, just went to Ecuador and said, hey, I'm going to bring crypto to Ecuador. And well, at that time, it was only Bitcoin. Uh, and just being an evangelist. I wanted to model after, after Andreas Antonopoulos. And uh, while I was there, Ecuador actually made crypto illegal. Oh, well. <laughs> so that didn't work out. But I did find an incredible company called Slocket. And mm, at Slocket, uh, we were building this thing called the DAO. And this really blew my mind. I got so excited about the potential to create an organization that was autonomous outside of the states that people could actually have a say in its direction. Uh, obviously, the DAO has a checkered past. Okay? It didn't work out as planned. It got hacked after about three weeks. Uh, it, at the time, it was the largest crowdfunded project ever, raised $150 million. 
but then got hacked for $50 million, and uh, me and my friends actually had to, uh, we, we were able to steal the other $100 million so no one else could, and then, uh, this is the white hat group, and then we uh, also helped convince the Ethereum community to hard fork and uh, effectively hack the hacker to take the money back. But this is where I think the world really learned the power of this technology. That no matter what happens in crypto, you cannot use this tool to oppress the minority. It doesn't matter if the minority is right or wrong. If you are part of this ecosystem, you have a say in how it goes. And that's the magic of force. Uh, these, these DAOs that are being created, Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, EOS, Steemit, all, basically anything with a blockchain, I would call a decentralized autonomous organization. And autonomous is the key word, because that means that it's unable to be influenced, unable to be influenced by outside sources. No government, no person can actually uh, come in and say, this is how you gotta be without being part of the organization. And what's really cool is unlike every other international body that's ever existed, there is a clear exit strategy. You do not, you cannot be oppressed. You can fork. And while it is not necessarily uh, always worth it, there's a huge technological um, like bag, there's some tech baggage that has to be overcome. This is a huge step forward for any other kind of governance we've seen in humanity. Uh, the problem we have right now is that it's really based on plutocracy. That's the only governance structure we have. Oh, maybe I'm getting too far ahead of myself. So after the Dow crashed and burned, uh, I started with uh, the White Hat group, we started Gibbet. And Gibbet is a community focused on blockchain for good. We really wanted to take up the, the space that was left after the DAO died. There was a huge void. You know, everyone became kind of afraid of DAOs, and uh, all of a sudden the ICO rage came on, and there was no accountability, no transparency on how the money was being spent. Unlike in the DAO, we had a proposal framework. You know, uh, everyone had to vote on what we did with the money. That was kind of out the window, and so. Gibbet was really created to be a safe place to experiment with decentralized governance. But as we started building this, we realized that there are actually a lot of other problems within uh, the space that need to be solved before we even attack decentralized governance. Uh, there are lots of DAOs out there, and I gotta give them props. The, the Bitcoin, Monero, Dash, Steven, EOS, Ethereum, all these guys, they are really doing it. And they have, they have pretty, as long as they have good coin distribution, I would call them DAOs, right? Uh, but again, it, they're running off plutocracy. If you have the money, you have the power. Uh, or if you have the technology, you have the power. So we have this like mix between plutocracy and technocracy, if that's a word, I don't know. It's, it is now. Yeah, and that's not necessarily the path I think any of us really want to go. It's, it's great where we are, it's a huge step forward, honestly, compared to just being ruled like slaves. But uh, we can do better, and we're starting to move this forward. Uh, people are <coughs> experimenting with this consensus technology, and I hope that they can use Gibbet to experiment. 
uh, and make the world a better place at the same time. Instead of starting a DAO with your governance system and like using investors' money, how about you start a charity first? And then experiment with how do you make decisions on which, which campaign should be funded. That's what Giveth is all about, is uh, creating DAOs effectively for charity and decentralized organizations. But uh, we still need more infrastructure. I mean, when we really look at it, our system is still very controlled. We need mesh networks horribly. This is the mm. first step, in my opinion, yep. to real uh, autonomy within this system. And so if anyone's working on mesh networks, please reach out to Nexus me. Earth. Uh, I have like a small background community. There's a really great group in Barcelona, uh, Guifi, that have uh, made major progress in this front. And I think we need to really push forward there before we start diving into governance. Absolutely. Uh, the ISP centralization is, is too much mm -hmm. to overcome, and people can really be censored. So. I fucking love this guy. Also, we really need to put a lot of effort into decentralizing the hardware. Uh, I'm working on a project called DAPNode, which is uh, for a lot of. Uh, I don't. I feel like we've forgotten that we still have huge mining centralization and node centralization within our distributed networks. Uh, and we need to find ways to incentivize, you know, people, some people to run their own hardware. And this is the DAPNode project, which I really hope you guys can check out. It's, uh, it's a really easy way where your nerd friend who wants to run his own server can actually buy a box and with a couple clicks, run their own Ethereum node, Monero node, da da da, you know, all these nodes, IPFS, start browsing the decentralized internet, like .f domains, .bit domains, and have access to uh, things that cannot be censored. And what's really cool about that node, in my opinion, is that it gives that nerd the power to empower their friends and families. With just a few clicks, they can give someone the VPN access effectively to their node, and instead of having to use Infura or you know blockchain.info or whoever else's node, they can use their friend's node. And, and so that's a really important project. But the other, other major uh, foundation that we need to build is digital identity. We need to be able to own our own identity. If we want to overcome this plutocracy, we need to uh, we need to attack civil attacks, okay? And uh, I, I have another project, of course, that I'm just working on that. It's still pretty much stealth mode. No, no, uh, it's called Occam's. And Occam's is a spelled, well, it's zero knowledge identity, uh, sorry, zero knowledge identity management systems. And uh, I've been, my, my, the White Hat group and my, my crew has been kind of disappointed with most of the identity solutions that are out there. They're just not simple enough. This is a very clear, easy, like too simple of an identity solution. That's why it's Occam's, like after, after Occam's Razor. Uh, to really just allow one person to have an identity and make, or any entity, it could be my wheelchair over here, to have an identity that can make a claim against another identity or receive a claim from another identity. And that's it. No extra coins, no other baggage, just an identity that can make claims on other identities. And then each identity can have its own reputation based on you. Like if you want to go to a bar, uh, you know, maybe you need the, the, city of Port the city of Porto 
to like say that you're whatever, 18 or older, or you can have the US government say that you're 18 or older, or have, you know, maybe my girlfriend Lorelai can say you're 18 or older, right? It doesn't matter because it's up to that bar to decide whose claims they want to uh, say are valid. So those are the three big things that we need to build a foundation on. And I'm sorry, it's mostly technical solutions. I just wanna say like, we're, we're all headed there. I mean, I have my projects that I'm working on and there's so many other people that are building this. So like when Jeff was saying, hey, we're just years away, I really do believe it, but we're definitely not here yet at least not for solutions that we want to see. So, uh, you know, just be patient and keep experimenting with decentralized governance. Even though we don't have the real foundations yet, there is a lot of research that needs to be done on pushing forward uh, different solutions. I mean, I haven't even really seen liquid democracy out there in, in full on. Uh, that's one of the things that Givet is really uh, excited about to see uh, is Liquid democracy, I don't know. Can I get a show of hands of how many people know what liquid democracy is? That's pretty good. But maybe, since there weren't that, really, that's it? Come on, guys. That's, okay, so liquid democracy is, uh, you can kind of think of it as a hybrid of direct democracy and representative democracy. Except term limits are like milliseconds, right? When you delegate your vote to somebody, uh, you can take it away at any moment. So everybody has the opportunity to vote on any proposal they want, and you can delegate all of your votes to your dad, or to Ron Paul, or to whoever you want without limitation, at least in my dream of how liquid democracy can work. Right? And it can get even further, you can go even further and codify votes. And you can say, hey, you know, maybe uh, for economic decisions, I really want Ron Paul to make the decision, but for more social decisions, my mom really knows what I'm thinking, right? So you, you can actually, when votes get tagged, the, the power can change. Thank you. Uh, so there's, that's just one of many, there's futurarchy, meritocracy, there's all sorts of really interesting governance uh, methods that we can start playing. And I really hope to encourage you guys to, uh, if you are working on these governance uh, protocols, to start looking at uh, Aragon and Gibbet and Colony and DAOStack, and I'm sure EOS is probably gonna have lots of opportunities to play with decentralized governance on top. And uh, we will get there, we will get there. Uh, obviously another huge thing is scaling, which EOS makes a big push for. Uh, Gibbet has our own solution for scaling. What we've done is actually make a bridge to another, to uh, a testnet blockchain. So when we received, uh, I guess, uh, as Jessica said, you know, I'm kind of showing one side, the decentralized governance side of Gibbet. But Gibbet, of course, the Gibbet DAP is really a tool for someone to create their own nonprofit without having to have a legal entity. Gibbet itself is not a legal entity. We are a blockchain-based entity. We have no legal structure at all. We receive money, and then and and then it goes into smart contracts, and then it goes out to the people that are willing to give it in a completely transparent way. And that's how our DAP is is structured: is to bring transparency and accountability to all all participants in the given ecosystem. And so, if you wanted to start a nonprofit or an eco village or some anything really, DAP node, for instance, is. 
you can actually do that without having to file any paperwork. And you can receive money from donors, and donors can see exactly where their money goes and complete traceability. They'll get an email when it happens. And more than that, uh, when our system is fully complete, when you create a, a, a campaign, you'll be creating a community. A chat room will pop up, and everyone will have access to you. So when their money gets sent to you, they can actually see, oh, uh, is this guy cool? And if they don't like what's going on in your chat room, they can veto. They can actually still have oversight over their funds. So uh, anyway, that's my random smattering of, of information. Be excited. Uh, it's definitely years away. We have a lot of work. And I hope that you guys can help. And if you guys have any other questions, find me around. I'll be hobbling around. <laughs> You the man, Griff. Behind me. I'm really out of my element when it comes to the deep tech. 
in the end, uh, supporting projects that are doing mesh tech. If you could find some uh, Nexus Earth. Access, Next, access, Nexus Earth. Nexus Earth. Anyone else got some projects? Weepy in Barcelona. Any other mesh tech in the audience? No? Access Earth and Weepy? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> Open Garden. Yeah. yeah. If, if you guys just Google something in your, in your area and actually provide, uh, you can provide access an access point for mesh networks, I think that's very actionable. Uh, but again, this is an incentivization issue. Uh, there is an awful lot of incentive until people start being censored, I think. Okay, this is the last question, because we want to let everyone go to lunch. Oh no, we have a question. One more quick, uh, okay, two more quick, and then uh, we'll wrap for lunch very shortly, so just hang tight. Sorry, it's uh, less of a question, but just more of something to put on your radar. Uh, there's a cryptocurrency called Electronium that's able to run uh, using low power, uh, low power because it, uh, it looks at the amount of power uh, in processing that's not in the processor that's not being used, um, and so it's able to be mined on cell phones. So that's one of the things I was thinking about while you were talking about having uh, having uh, hardware hardware nodes that people are running that. Uh, the other thing is to make it a little bit more eco-friendly as it's uh, converting electricity into heat, perhaps building it into a water heater or something like that. Ooh. Actually, I know a project that's doing that. It's called BitHeat, my amazing friend uh, and inventor. So BitHeat actually does crypto mining as a water heater, and he's got a prototype. He's out of Colorado again, BitHeat. He's awesome. I don't know if you know like Harrison Stahl. Harrison Stahl. That's so cool. Crypto mining, water heater. There's so many solutions for this, as well as um, there's solar power solutions and hydro miner. Actually, I wanted them to come here. They're the first security token in Europe. And they had to restructure their whole company thanks to regulations, so they couldn't be here. But it's two Austrian sisters, and they're doing crypto mining on a dam in the Austrian Alps. So shout out to Hydrominer. They couldn't be here. They were even going to sponsor, but they had to restructure for security token. Incredible sisters mining on a dam. How clever is that? So as far as eco-solutions, just wanted to share that before our last burning question before lunch. So I got these things in my pocket, the Federal Reserve notes, and one of the advantages, I think, crypto stuff, like, it doesn't look like my grandpa, and I wonder can we get my grandpa on crypto. I he should do an ICO. Grandpa tokens. Dude. So into it. Uh, it's all about the grandpa. I want to I say something on that. I'm sure this will be touched on a lot during this weekend, but you know, we have this incredible technology that we call fiat currency that has really enabled, it enabled this whole thing to happen. Like, we talk a lot of shit, but we gotta remember that actually this is really powerful tech. Uh, but it can be better. Uh, there's there's this abstract concept of money that effectively those those pieces of paper with his grandpa on it are just we all overlay a story on top of that. And we have this new technology, cryptocurrencies. I, I didn't focus on it in my talk because I really think the rest of this this weekend we'll talk a lot about it. But we have this opportunity to change the story of money and rewrite it in, in a new way. There are literally 10, 10 new economies being built every day, ICOs, blockchains, if at least dozens probably, every day experimenting with a new story of money. And when you think about it, like if you, had a, if you have a mango tree and you have, all of a sudden mangoes are in full bloom, 
you're just pass passing those mangoes out to everyone. Share the wealth, you know? But if you had a money tree, would you just be making it rain on everyone who came to your house? No, unfortunately not. Because the story of money isn't, doesn't actually correlate very well to the, to the story of mangoes, right? And I think that we will find a way to bring those, to close that gap and still enable indirect exchange in, in novel ways. And it's this, this experimentation that really gets me excited. So keep working, guys, and uh, thank you so much for the time. Great.